With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Archer and the Devil. Welcome to Archer and the Devil and guest. And guest. Thank you very much. Our guest is, before everyone starts to go, is <laughs> Mr. Andy Harris, owner and proprietor of... MSS Safety? Yeah, whatever you call it. MSS, what is it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, under that. So Andy, Andy, I've known Andy a few years now through various different things, and we've met in various different ways, mostly through the racing and stuff, because Andy is health and safety coordinator, organiser, main 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 fun police kind of kind of guy. Yeah. Fun police. Fun police. Um, and, but Andy isn't your normal health and safety advisor, are you, Andy? Andy has a very, very varied past journey into this industry, but also some pretty fucking crazy, crazy, <laughs> crazy situations within the industry that I thought would be pretty funny and, and something a bit different away from motorsport, what we've been doing recently and stuff like that. So how are you, Andy? I'm good. Are I'm you good. good? Very good, thanks. You guys well? Living the dream? Living the dream. Living the yeah. dream. I think yeah, I think living the dream right now is, I think whenever we do a podcast, it's yeah. like a good day. Yeah. It's a good day. We Especially have... when there's someone else who haven't just got to talk to him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> no, I love you, true. but yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Andy, tell us about you. Oh, God, where do we start? Um, start at the beginning. Start at the beginning. Mm. I was born a baby at an early age. Yeah. Um, Known no. yourself all your life. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no. I kind of, I don't know. When you say about health and safety advisor, that is technically what I am for a job. But as okay. you know, it's kind of... It's not that simple, not, though, is it? Nah, nah. By, by essence, it's you advise people on the health and safety, but just... Mm. Who do you advise? Let, that's probably a better question. Or, or client list and stuff. Yes. Um, F1, um, BCCC, um, Isle of Man, TT, um, movies. Like? On, um, am I going to name drop? Yes, 100%. <laughs> that's yeah. what you're here for. Clickbait, yeah. bro. Clickbait. <laughs> Clickbait the um, shit out of it. So over the years, I've worked on Fast and Furious, Mission Impossibles, um, Bond, um, Doctor Strange, um, that's the movie side of it. I've worked on being the Top Gear and doing stuff for Top Gear for 14 years, which has been awesome. And that was kind of how I got into all this. And that fits in massively well with what I want to do and you know, things we do and stuff. Um, and yeah, just through that, really, uh, Monster Energy, done Jim Carner Grid with them, Red Bull, done Drift Shifters, um, just coordinating, choreographing safety. And um, but it's, more, it's grown. It's more like facilitating, making things happen. And just getting involved in cars doing silly things at silly speeds around the world. In a safe way. Ideally, as yeah. safe as two hundred. <laughs> it's kind of the nature of the business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously yeah. you've done a lot of adverts, all that sort of stuff, all the you've you do loads of shit though, don't you? Like loads of Yeah, yeah. Loads of stuff that, that people don't know. And this is what I think I love behind the scenes stuff. You know, like we was watching um last night on Amazon they've got like a behind the scenes of Tottenham Hotspur and like their season and all that sort of stuff. And it's all that stuff that you don't see 
you just see the polished finished product like people don't see like you mentioned bond and mission impossible like you don't see what goes into making a movie nobody knows they just watch the movie go that was cool move on with their yeah, life yeah it takes three or four years sometimes, doesn't it, to make a movie? Oh, yeah. Doctor Strange. Remember Doctor Strange, Marvel? That yeah, was, yeah. That was two years, start to finish, from the first camera tests. Two years? Yeah, to it wrapping. Shit. Two years. And you was involved in the whole thing, pretty much? So we started doing, like, camera tests. Oh, yeah, the irony was is that the, the initial filming we did was just camera tests on a street, and that was the end filming that we did, which was the real filming of the street, the street scene, the Hong Kong mm. street scene, I think it was called the end. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of it goes up massively, and some so much stuff we do. I think people should watch behind the scenes before this was done. Um, I mean, I I didn't work on it, but like Inception, um, the fight scene, the corridor fight scene on Inception when they're tumbling around, there was a behind the scenes on how that was done on YouTube, and it's it's epic what what went in because I watch it at the cinema and I'm just like, whoa. Then other people see it at the cinema and they don't they just think it doesn't it's mean CGI anything. or something. Yeah. They just expecting it to look like that. But if you see what's gone into it, there should be so much more behind the scenes. But that's what movies are doing now. They're chucking out behind the scenes. You've got um, brands getting involved with it, like Land Rover, massively involved on Bond. And there's all that Land Rover commercial with the new Defenders jumping through the air and all that sort of stuff. So, Has it ruined films for you now? It doesn't ruin films for me. It ruins films for the people I'm watching the film with. Right. <laughs> you're like, Do you know how they yeah. did that? <laughs> Press pause, and I'm like, right, yeah, let's yeah. show this picture. And it's kind of like, it's not actually that dangerous. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So don't go to the cinema with you, because it'll be like, no. oh, what's happening here? No. Right, and yeah. I make everyone in the cinema wait to watch the credits go up, so I can show them where I'm not, because I never get a credit. <laughs> right, okay. Unimportant person on the entire movie. And it's There's like, not a fun police part. No, which, no. Right, okay. I sort of like... Well, I'm not even after sort of like, um, I don't know, assistant to the chief unicorn wrangler. I'm kind of like <laughs> below that. But without you guys, none of it would happen, would it? I suppose. Yeah. Is that what I mean? Because yeah, the world yeah. that we live in these days, health and safety is mm. so massive, even more so in the times of the C word that we're not going to mention. COVID. But <laughs> you'd have to bleep that out, Rob, put a dolphin noise over that. But uh, yeah, so it's even more important now, and and like you literally you can't do anything these like I've worked on building sites for instance, and you can't you have to do certain things like mm. compared to even not even that long ago really like even ten years ago it was a completely different place. But this is where I've made a like a um, a name for myself, and this is where I've kind of fitted into this gap where because my background is cars and rallying and going quick and doing silly things. We go and do a recce, and I'll be the person that will speak to the council, will speak to the mayor, will speak to the police. We did a job years ago. I won't say who the client was, um, but we did a drift job with them. Um, we had to shut a street down, and we had the local council safety people turn up. And he said, um, if this drift car hits that, what if it blows the tire and flies through the air and lands on that petrol station? What would you do? I went, well, first I'd make sure we filmed it, because that's <laughs> <laughs> amazing if it does that. It's like 150 metres away. Unscripted as well. Yeah. That'd be phenomenal. Yeah. Change of script. Yeah, and, and he's like, yeah, but what, it, what? And I was like, dude, it ain't going to happen. I guarantee it. And it's where, and that's, I suppose, where my little niche is, because I know what cars can do. I know yeah. if someone spins, it will do this. I know what, that's kind of how I've managed to fit into this little thing. But that's where I hate health and safety advisors, because they're just a real pain. And they're all trying to put problems up. And this, I'm in the middle of a, a three-week car commercial at the moment, and one of the locations that we're filming at, it's given us so many problems. And I'm just like, dude, it's not going to happen. And it's because it's health and safety. It's people putting stops to it, and I've kind of got in this position where I'm the facilitator to health and safety, yeah. making it all happen. 
And I suppose, like you say, because you've got that title of health and safety advisor, people will listen to you if you say it won't happen. Whereas if the, the driver come over and went, I'm not going to go over there, yeah, but yeah. whatever, mate, yeah, you don't know shit, you're just the driver. But if you know that that's not going to happen, you go, I know what I'm talking about, and I'm the health and safety advisor, I can advise you on health and safety, and I'm telling you not, it's not going to happen. They're probably more likely to listen to you. Yeah, yeah. It's specific. I mean, some days I'll put a shirt on because I have to look a bit posh, I know if I'm talking to local council people, they're going to take me a bit more seriously than if I turn up like this. So, yeah, it's just kind of facilitate, making it all happen, car stuff around the world. Somebody wants to do 200 mile an hour across a desert in Australia. I get the call. It's mega. How long Love have you it. been doing it? Uh, so 14 years. Well, I've been doing dangerous stuff since I was 16. I was in the army, did Bosnia. Then I was in the fire brigade and the ambulance service. So we did all sorts of dangerous, silly things in the fire brigade especially. And then, yeah, about 14 years ago is when I got my chance to then start working on Top Gear as a um, I was doing ambulance work then. So I was just like ambulance medic at the side of the Top Gear track. And that was kind of how it started 14 years ago and that was so you just started to spot it a, a gap yeah yeah well i was doing um i was the stuff i was doing the fire brigade and stuff the ambulance service i was like you could combine this and you could add a sprinkling of my understanding of car safety i just had this idea and these ideas started flowing and started doing things and then um a mate of mine said to me, this was actually, so this was five minutes before I went in for the meeting for Fast and Furious 6, which was going to be the biggest opportunity I'd ever have. This guy said to me, um, don't be the same as your opposition. Be totally the opposite to your opposition. Don't go in and sell them what they've already got. Give them the opposite. Yeah. He goes, and the other thing, I'm telling you my secrets here, but <laughs> he goes, <laughs> it's all right, no one listens. <laughs> he goes, and the other thing, he goes, this is showbiz, and the emphasis is on the word show. And you go, and obviously that was to go in then and meet uh, the UK stunt coordinator, US stunt coordinator, production manager, line producer of Fast and Furious 6. And that was my first opportunity for the, the brand, the team that come with me to start working on something awesome. How many other people went for it? Like how many people you were up against initially, do you know? Or? Well, there was, there was other companies doing sort of things like we do, but no one did the package. No one yeah. offered that. So you've got, they've gone in the and gone, of it. we'll make it safe, other people. And you've gone in and gone, we'll make it cool, but make sure it's safe. As well, yeah, sort of thing. yeah, we'll just kind of choreograph, take it on, work alongside special effects coordinators and stunt coordinators, see what they want, what do they advise, because obviously they're massively experienced in what they do, especially yeah. on something of that scale. And then it's just preempting and putting the things in place. Like the guys, there's a team out in um, Italy at the moment on Mission Impossible, and you know we know what it was. We spoke to SFX, we know the stunt coordinator, speaking to the guys, seeing what they need. And then we put the team scan there out and that. And I'd love to be out there in a moment. But instead, I'm dealing with um, men, sorts the of devil. <laughs> 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 now, I should do, you know, all the, the C word, as we'll call it. Yeah. The C word's changed, isn't it? it very much so. What does the C word now mean something else? I don't know if it's better or worse as well. I think it's yeah. probably a worse of a C word now. It's like a double whammy, isn't it's it? It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. But that's a pretty cool story, though. Like you say, you've gone from. So in the army, you've gone from that to. A natural progression, a lot of army guys go into emergency mm -hmm. services, don't they, and stuff like that. But then you've then stepped it up again and gone, oh. And I mean, and you've said to me in the past, like, you're not naturally a businessman. Like, that's, no. that's not, you haven't gone, oh, I've got a business idea and I'm going to make this work. You've just said, this is a cool idea. Mm. How does it happen? I've never written a business plan in my life. Never? Business, no, business been running 14 years now. That's all right. And I've never written a business plan in my life. So you went the for business is a byproduct of you just doing what you do. Just me thinking of things, yeah. 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 We went for a 
one of our clients is a massive client in city of London, like the biggest location there, and we were up against. Um, it was a, a contract to provide fire safety, and we're still there now. And we were up against G4S and Securitas, I think it was, and me. And I walked in like this, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "All right." And they're like, "Oh, do you, do you want to plug in your laptop to present to us?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> should I? <laughs> and some, somehow we end up getting it, and it, it just proves that there's there's business is evolved, it's changed. Yeah, it can be different now, and it can be very. Um, the opposite of how it's always been done. I see, and there was a big twist recently as well with entrepreneurs and um, how people make money and stuff. I think it was a couple of years ago the the switch finally happened where there was more people that have got money through thinking and being an entrepreneur than through double barreled surnames mm. and family and wealth and, and yeah and all that sort of thing. That switch finally happened. That always quite fascinates yeah. me as well. How kind of like business and success can be different and can be judged massively different now to um, how it always was in the past. It's a very different world, isn't it? Like, not, yeah. not just with, like I said about health and safety and stuff like that before, like the invention of the camera phone has made the world a very different place in all senses of the word. Like, and it's, it's, you know, we were talking with Nick on the last podcast, and and he said like he shies away from social media and all that sort of stuff. And I, I still, I think that's down to a very, he's had a very negative experience of social media. I think he's, he's experienced it very different to say me do you know what i mean like just because of his disabilities and racism and all that sort of stuff but in terms of what you've just said with health and safety and stuff like that it's it's so easy now to take a picture and go this is wrong bang mm. and oh, that's yeah, it yeah. and then yeah. that can end somebody with yeah, that yeah. one picture 100%. can make or break someone and this is where at the moment so we've got probably well the business has probably got 20 productions running at the moment across well across the world and so much stuff we're advising our clients isn't just health and safety. We're also saying if you get papped and you haven't got a face mask on, you're next to this A-list celebrity. That's going in the Daily Mail. Yeah. yeah. So it's like business protection as well. It's And that's because of social media. Yep. And we, we've done jobs before. I remember us working on Sherlock years ago with Benedict Cumberbatch. Cum, what's his name, Benedict Cum, Cumberbatch? Cum, the same guy that was in Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know his name on that either, no. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, we, we were on that, and we knew that there's all these. He has loads of followers. I can't remember what they call themselves. They're the girls that love him, but there's a, yeah, they've right. got their own like yeah, like yeah. the believers of I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like cumber bitches or something. <laughs> or I think it actually is. Rob, can you can you find out what the Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> bitches are called, please? <laughs> and we're filming with him in central London, and I'm on Twitter just searching, searching, waiting for it to go wild for people saying. We've seen cumberbatches here, and suddenly through Twitter, you see shit. There's loads of these cumber bitches, cabbage patches. Cabbage. Yeah. Um, cum- what is it, on. Rob? Oh, uh, we're finding out. And um, and it's like we've only got two hours, and we're going to get mobbed here. But that's social media. We're using it in a good way. We're using it to yeah. find information cumber out. Cumber they bitches. are cumber bitches. Yeah. Fuck, cumber bitches. Jesus Christ. That might be you two one day. You might have. Well, I'll be a cumber bitch. Wow. <laughs> or, we'll have, or we'll have our own. <laughs> You'll have your own little followers following you around, your own stalkers. Don't want that. Our own bitches. Yeah. Don't want that. We can't, we can't. Let's not get down you that can, road. You can have those. I'm I, good. I don't want them. <laughs> I don't want them. I'll push them all to you. Who is, I mean, it's a bit of a broad question, really, but and I'll I'll give you the... Okay, let's start small. We'll start small, Andy. We'll start small. Okay. What's the f- most favourite film you've worked on? Rush. Straight away, straight in. Well, the Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, so Rush was wonderful. It was F1 cars, it was Ron Howard, 
It was just the uh, was he Richie in Happy Days? Yeah, yeah. yeah was yeah. he? Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. Uh, Richie Cunningham. Cunningham. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god, do you not know this? Richie Cunningham in Happy yes. Days. Is yeah. well, I, mean, I, know, I wasn't really a massive Happy Days fan. I, I watched really. it, but Happy I'm, Days was great. The fonts never really suited like guy in leather jacket would walk a lot older than all the other kids. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's yeah. just like, yeah, well, he is. That weird old guy again. Cheers, Fonz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi was in it as well for a while. Was he? Yeah, he played the, you know, the diner they go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, um, he, the diner they all go to. Yeah. There was a while where he was the guy who ran the diner. I like the fact that you had to just confirm who Mr. Miyagi was by saying the fence guy. Because, like, he's not m- the most famous guy in the world. Oh, wait. I oh, know two. Is he the one? Is he the fence guy? <laughs> the fence guy. Or the skier. Yeah. the other Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, you know the other one that works in the bank? It's not yeah, him. Not him. Definitely not him. Wasn't right, him. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. No, um, no, Rush was lovely. It was just the nicest production. So relaxed. And it was an open set as well. Because a lot of it was filmed uh, probably not far from here, actually. There was an old airfield over towards the M3 from here. Um, it was an old bit of uh, an airfield that was then the common. They turned it into a racetrack because it wasn't a huge budget. They couldn't make it to you, so they made a race circuit. And what they did was they, they had a pit lane, but a double-sided pit lane. So in the morning, it would be dressed to be Tokyo in 1977 because the sun's on this side. And then as the sun moves around the afternoon, the other side of the pit lane is then um, I don't know, Silverstone in... Because everything's backwards. Yeah, and you'd swap it and you'd have like a load of extras... Um, looking like this country, a load of extras looking like that country. And it was just so nice to work on. And what was weird was we had, everyone got into Formula 1, and everyone loved the James Hunt story, started learning about James Hunt during it all. And then, obviously, James Hunt couldn't be there, because of obvious reasons. Um, but we had his car, his MP4 F1 car, on one of the last days of filming for some close-ups. Just to confirm, James Hunt's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Just, just in case anyone else <laughs> thought he was busy. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like, that was like James, because when um, uh, Nicky came to set, it was great, Nicky Loud was there making a story about him as well. When James's car came there, it was like, that was James's, and it was quite, you know, quite yeah. an emotional thing. His F1 car turned up on the day. But it was, um, yeah, it was just lovely to work on. And then I suppose the other one, and all the crew that worked on Fast and Furious 6, second unit. Second unit is normally not as long as main unit, because it's just close-ups, but second unit on Fast and Furious is just... Smashing shit up for months. <laughs> I think there was a production... For months? Yeah, oh, dude, there was a production manager. So basically, they'll get all the good shots with all the cars first mm. and everything that they need. Yeah. So they get all the, hit, all the hero shots and the cool shots and all driving shots. Then they'll smash the shit up afterwards. Is that right? Well... Is, that, is, it, are you, is this what you're doing now? You're ruining, you're ruining the movies? So second unit, Fast and Furious, is just non-stop, every day, massive crashes, stunts, jumps, continuously. But that was just such a cool... Everyone got along and we were in Tenerife for three months as well which obviously is not bad yeah pretty yeah. good yeah and that one and everyone works on it when we see each other on other shoots we're like how is it and it's like well ain't no fast six is it <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the benchmark that kind of set the standard it's like when we go back to Tenerife for three months in the summer and stay in a five star hotel with a surf reef out the back wing, yeah wing, do you always stay on location as well so for the duration of the film you're on location yeah, so Fast Six, um, my chance to go and work on that. So I was coordinating the like the rescue team. So there'd yeah. be like a paramedics, fire crew, and we'd have some overseas ambulances and fire engines as well. And I'd be like the team leader running right, all of okay. that. So on that one, that was where when that opportunity came up, I was still in the fire brigade. Yeah, um, and I was doing a bit of ambulance work on my days off, and I was doing the fire brigade. But it was this opportunity. It's three months in Tenerife. Obviously, I ain't got that amount of leave. I've now got to make that decision: Do I finally leave the brigade? 
and join, right, okay. this, join this world of movies and stuff. And um, and I did. So um, yeah, it kind of went from there. So one day I'm in the fire brigade, and then it's like, how many notice in Tenerife? Three months. So literally, people go, "Oh, you're in the fire brigade. Oh, why did you leave?" Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I went to went to you know just film Fast and Furious Six. <laughs> no biggie. Just three yeah. months in Tenerife. It's a fair enough. It's a, it's a good reason. reason. Yeah, it's a good reason. Yeah, not a bad reason. Yeah, but that was like, I mean, obviously, Fast and Furious to you, it, it's special, isn't it? One hundred percent. Fast yeah. and Furious, and then finding out that Fast and Furious is coming to the UK, you're like, oh my god, they're going to do the sixth one from a UK production office, and I'm like, well, I'm already working on Top Gear, which is pretty amazing. I'm going to go for Fast and Furious, and then went for it, and I'm still like, don't you know? And then I remember I was outside where one of our offices used to be. I got the phone call with the start dates. It's like, yeah, I put the phone down. I started crying in the car. Because I was like, you know, I'm going to work on Fast Big and Furious. Big deal. This is epic. You know, this is Fast and Furious. This is, you know, streets closed, pizza boy. This is, um, <laughs> you know, live my life quarter That's mile at I mean, you're, you're what? How old are you? Uh, 43. 43. So it was kind of a, you was fairly that age when Fast and Furious came out originally then. Yeah, I was crashing ice turbos and shit. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Was, you <laughs> was probably that bit older age where you could get the faster cars and the, and the, the, the look, you said the RS turbos. Mm. I was stuck with the 1.2 Nova. But you could but, insure them then. But that's yeah, the other can't. thing. Yeah. Yeah, that is the difference. It's, you can't. Yeah. I had a Sierra Cosworth at 21. <laughs> Can you imagine that now? No. And I crashed it. Twice. <laughs> you can't insure kids now. Can't insure stuff. Yeah. Like this. My uh, lad that I know is just turned eighteen, I think, or he's eighteen and he's just starting to learn to drive. And I think he said on like a one liter course or something like that. It's something like two and a half grand a year insurance, and he's like. The car's not even worth two and a half grand, and that was what the, that was the issue back then, where you'd buy a car that was like sixty grand's worth of car, and it was more to insure it than what the car was worth. Now it's just any car. Mm. How much is it worth? Oh, it, yeah, it's double and then a bit more. But not that I would condone Ford, of course. No. But my theory is, as soon as you're seventeen, go to a scrapyard, buy the cheapest car you can get from a scrapyard that's got an MOT on it, get the V5, insure it for you, and don't drive it. Then start driving at eighteen, and you've built up a year's. And then you've got yeah, allegedly, Your Honour, because that might be fraudulent, and I wouldn't recommend it. But that's what. Oh, just because you haven't passed your test, you mean? Yeah, well, yeah, because you get your years no claims, you wouldn't actually drive it. You're guaranteed the years, and then start learning to drive at eighteen when you can afford it. It's still going to be extortionate, isn't it? The price is still the same. No, I mean the first time. Oh yeah, it's still a shit ton of money, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to have a license to insure a car, do you? It's not part of. Mind you, they do ask that question, don't they? Have you got a full UK license? Yeah, but you can insure, you'd have to insure it obviously to learn, wouldn't you? So, I don't know. Mate, you have to insure it to park it on the road these fucking days, so it doesn't really make any difference, does yeah, it? Yeah. It has well, to be taxed and insured. Yeah, in the garage, yeah. Yeah, it has to be sawn, or it has to be on a drive or off the road to be sawn, so otherwise it has to insure it. Anyway, that's boring. Yeah. Tell us about movies. <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment. What's been the longest you've been on location? Like you've spent three months in Tenerife, what's the longest you've been from home? That was probably the longest one. That was the longest one. Mission Impossible Five was Morocco, and that was seven weeks, I think. Um, and that felt longer because obviously three months in Tenerife, you wouldn't mind if it was like seven, eight months in Tenerife yeah. because you're living the dream. Whereas Morocco, it's a bit hot. Know, seven weeks does yeah. take its toll. I've done Morocco about ten times. Oh right, okay. It's, it's cool, but it's cool to go for a weekend. Yeah, kind <laughs> of not really for seven weeks. There's only so much. Do you get to experience a lot of the places that you do go, or are you very much just working? Um, yeah, so if, so when we did um, Mission 5 Morocco, 
you get you get like a day off a week. You might be doing like rehearsals um, on on one if you're second unit. You might yeah. do like stunt rehearsals on the weekend or something. But you get time off and you get go out, go into the souk, you can go out and about. We were doing uh, me and John, one of the guys that works with me, we were out in the states last year. Uh, no, two years ago, and um, I was pissed off because it was like, oh, SEMA was on. I was working at the time. I was like, oh no, stars aligned. I'm on two days off in Vegas on day one of SEMA. Like, epic. Yeah. <laughs> Dream and, made. Yeah, and then John's not into cars, but John, so me and John met at Hooters in the evening. You might even know the Hooters at the end of the strip, Vegas. He knows every Hooters. There's only one, isn't there? Uh, in Vegas, is there? It's called, well, it had its own hotel. Look how upset he looks that he might have missed the Hooters. <laughs> That's what's worrying me. <laughs> no, I know. The fear in your face. No, wait, wait, there's more Hooters there. There's one, there's the hotel, and yeah. then there was the one in the Palm, the world's biggest one. That's no longer there anymore. The hotel, so Oyo is now, well, Hooters Hotel is now called Hotel Oyo. Yeah, it's gone. And that's where, but there's still a Hooters there. <laughs> but if, um, but like me and John met up there in the evening, we're on a day off and we're like, what did you do today? I was like, I went to SEMA. What did you do? John's like, I went skydiving over the Hoover <laughs> Dam. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh, we've been paid a travel day for today as well. God <laughs> bless Vegas. That's you know? ridiculous. That's amazing. But then other times when you're in like Morocco for that time, it's like your day's off is like hang around the pool. Yeah, just because uh, you're doing long hours when you're away, yeah. it takes its toll, and you're just that consistent. If your location's two hours away, you're out at five in the morning, two hour drive to location, twelve hour shooting day, might be an hour's overtime, two hour drive back, and it's just, just is monotonous. Just that continuous hotel breakfast, shoot back, sleep. Just I mean, realistically, your job as well is watching. So you like like everyone else is there doing their job. Mm-hmm. You're doing your job, but your job is watching other people do their job. My job's talking to people. My that, job, my job ain't difficult. That's what I mean. So you're so you're everyone else is like right. The man's on the camera. The guys doing the acting, whatever. The guys with the fucking shit and the buttons and stuff. And you're like, okay, I'm watching the man press yeah, the buttons. Is he doing let that right? People know that it is that. Sorry, I mean, yeah, you're, your job you're there. The you're the hardest there job on a film. You're there protecting the lives. If you weren't there, and Tom the Cruise, of thousands a, especially of with people like Tom Cruise and the amount of like stunts he does himself, mm. um, is that stuff you have to oversee as well? So if he's doing rock climbing stuff or yeah, so Cruise normally works with the same. There's a stunt coordinator called Wade Wade Eastwood, who's like there is there at the top of the industry. Yeah, um, and Wade and TC get on really well. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What did you just say? TC. <laughs> I don't actually know him, but I just made it up. I mean, it sounds like you do. It sounds like you do. Is he in mates. your phone as TC? I've got him down. Of course, he's not on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he even has a phone. But no, like Wade and, and Tom work together and the special effects coordinate and they'll all choreograph what they do. And there's a lot of trust between them. Because yeah. obviously, Tom's very different to a normal actor. But obviously, he's got the best stunt team, one of the best stunt teams in the world, overseeing what he does. Yeah. Um, and there's and there's me as a health and safety advisor. So if I'm on a job like that, I've obviously I'm reporting to people high up the chain from like the studios and stuff like that. And it could be not just as Mission Impossible, any film. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of you've you've got a lot of trust in that stunt team. Yeah. The yeah. Stunt drivers in the special effects team. But the, the weird thing is, is that there's probably more chance that catering there's going to be a massive case of food poisoning and everyone's going to go down unwell than there is of Tom Cruise falling off a mountain. Yeah. Are you allowed to say to him, you're not allowed to do that? Um. I, as a safety advisor... Advise a, him not to exactly. do that. Exactly. <laughs> but, right. but, but I would never... If I'm working on a big movie, the big stunt coordinators that we're working with are so good. Yeah. 
it would be I would can never really see a time where I'd go there's, to there's always trust say, in them and knowing yeah, that yeah. they've got everything covered yeah you know and they've built their way up to be yeah. where they are in the industry and they understand well that. yeah I mean Tom Cruise is going to get some schmucks off the street and be like can you just make sure I don't fall off <laughs> this truck while it's going 80 miles per hour mm. I'm, I'm more sort of like trying to I didn't call him a <laughs> 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 I meant uh, here's some people oh okay but it's, it's an interesting dynamic with how, yeah. how it all works and and those relationships and, and how they are and stuff like that. And, and that's why I love it because there's so many stunt coordinators out there that have, and like people in the stunt industry as well that couldn't really be in any other industry. It just kind of fits in. Like some of the YouTubers I work with as well, it's like I can't imagine doing anything else. Mm. But yet in that industry, they're really good at what they do and it just suits yeah. suits them. You know, some of the, one of the stunt guys I work with a lot, he's like top, top guy. He's not academic. He can't do maths. He's got dyslexia. But he can drive a car fast and he can do it safely. And yeah. it's like, there's no other industry he could be in. But he's in this industry and he's just, like myself, he's had right time, right place, got that yeah. break. And now he's doing what he's doing and, and making 10 times as much as people that he went to school with who came out a load of GCSEs. Yeah, I guess there's know-how as well, though, because like you were saying before, like seeing ambulance side and fire side and having the knowledge to combine them. So there's obviously the opportunity side of it and taking advantage of that, but also having the know-how of perceiving something the way other people aren't. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's why I always say all I know about is things exploding, crashing, being shot at, angry people in the road. Yeah. Um, that's my background. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't do an Excel spreadsheet, but... You can cut someone about, out of a car. Yeah, 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 I suppose, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of... And that's why I've just kind of gone down the route I've gone, because I suppose in the back of my mind, I know that's all I know about. Yeah. And then, so when I am talking to a local authority person that's saying that car's going to explode and fly through the air and land at that petrol station, because I know what happens when a car crashes. Or no, it, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to the average person, it's like, oh, this is dangerous. Or, yeah. This is, or even things that people don't even consider as dangerous. I'm, I'm like, no, that actually is dangerous. Right. Okay. Or, or the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. But well, they're usually the most dangerous things isn't it, that, that you don't think about. Yeah, yeah. And if we're filming remote in the middle of nowhere, middle of a desert in some foreign country, that's when something which we were doing um, World's Most Dangerous Roads in Madagascar. And um, we were on a jungle track. There was nothing for four or five days in every direction. You know, nothing. You are in the jungle. And um, our presenter, she went off to take a picture and she went over this bridge. And I was like, don't go over the bridge unless you really need to. She's like, I just want to take a picture. I was like, yeah, but... If you only go if you need to go over that bridge. Because if you fall and break your leg, there's no 999. That, yeah. doesn't, that doesn't exist here. So you've got to minimise every single thing you're doing, every element of risk. Yeah. You've got to minimise because we are seven days drive in the jungles of Madagascar. There is no backup. Yeah. There's no, you know. We, we've done some things in some sketchy places and <laughs> always at the end of your, at your safety speech at the beginning of every day, it would always be, the weather's going to be this wear sunscreen the weather's going to be this wear a coat and watch out for rattlesnakes yeah that was literally <laughs> it like we'd not see, we'd be there for like three days and you'd not see a single fucking animal anywhere but andy would always say there was a report of rattlesnakes once <laughs> somewhere around here at some point 75 so keep years ago out. keep yeah. your eye out for so, rattlesnakes and, you know, and then you walk around going where the fuck are these rattlesnakes rattlesnakes apparently are evolving to lose their rattle Still. that's apparently a thing so eventually they're just well, going to be snakes. They'll just be... Yeah, because they're like the most venomous snakes as well, aren't they? Yeah, but what are That's they going to be called? Non-rattlesnakes. Non quiet snakes. Quiet snakes. Snake. Snake. Just snake. Snake. 
Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, the that thing with the rattlesnakes, though, is because, you know, you're in the middle of a desert. Yeah. You get bitten. In, everyone thinks everyone's got the antidotes on them. That's not how it works. The antidotes are at the, at the clinics. You've got to know what type of snake yeah. it is as well. So it's like, just don't go turning rocks over. Oh, that was the other thing. If you get bit by a snake, try and take a picture of yeah. it. That was... <laughs> That was of the snake. Of the snake. Right. So yeah, they know so what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what bit you? That taking one. the piss. Yeah, no, it's logical. It is logical. Yeah, but when, when you're sitting there going, what? I might be dying. There's fucking rattlesnakes. Hang on. Take one a second. picture of Stay it. Still. Stay still. <laughs> I think yeah. my leg's going to fall off. But you imagine Selfie. You're in hospital. It's starting to spread. You're like, oh, God, I'm going. They say, what did it look like? You're going to go, it's a snake. Where's you get your phone out? Yeah, yeah, it's that one. It's that brown one with the rattle bits on the end. Yeah, but it's terrifying. We went to, um, you wasn't there, and it was a, a Gymkhana grid event in, Fr- in France, and it was at a car show, um, and they don't, I don't think they had quite the correct amount of safety barriers around the outside, you know, you just have the concrete, yeah. and then the water-filled barriers, that's what the majority of the events were, but uh, they'd only got enough, it would seem, for the crowd face inside of the concrete barriers, not the other side where there was a fence and cameramen and marshals and everything else. So, so they actually said in the safety briefing, if you crash over that side, you'll be okay because there's concrete. If you crash this side, try not to crash as much <laughs> because we don't have as much safety stuff that side. Yeah. So if you're going to crash, crash, but crash like yes. not as crashy yeah like a bit try and crash a bit safer yeah, yeah. this side than you would crash that side but was deadly serious and we all went yeah <laughs> just nodded and then afterwards everyone kind of went crash a bit less crash like, what crash a bit i'll crash a bit safe all right yeah no cool no problem let's go so then every time he was over that side everyone was really fucking terrified of crashing because you had to do it in a safe manner. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is going on? But that's, you know. I had that yesterday, is. similar thing. I had a, um, uh, uh, this job we're dealing with at the moment, trying to get permissions from all the authorities to make it happen. And they're like, oh, but this is over there. We don't want to get this damaged. So I said, well, they take care when they're driving around there. They're driving like a million pound tracking car. We've got people's, you know, don't, no one wants a reputation of crashing, all this stuff. And they're like, but, but this bit's really dangerous. So I was like, so I just put on the risk assessment, then we'll take extreme care and driving past that bit so yeah if you can put that down <laughs> and I'm like okay I'll put that down and I'm thinking to myself I've actually just managed to persuade someone to let us do it we're going to take extreme care because we'll just be a bit more careful yeah. around yeah. that point driving this like million pound tracking car past this car here Priceless. level up your so care we from, do there. Yeah. yeah level up your care levels from four to six please like you're not going to take care on all of it yeah, but that yeah. would be extra careful yeah. on a scale of one to ten we're turning it to eleven there, just on that section but around ten here but because you said it, people believed you. I was joking when I said it. Oh, really? <laughs> it was on a Zoom call, so they couldn't see really my mannerisms. And I was like, well, why don't we put, we'll take extreme care? They're like, yeah, okay. I'm like, oh. oh, oh. You should just try that all the time. I see what else you can get away with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just push the extreme of it. Well, it's like on Team America, isn't it? Um, she says, what's it? I'll have sex with you now if you promise you'll never die. And he's like, I'll never die. <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah, tell them what they want to hear. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Well, it is that case. Like, it's tell me it's going to be safe, and yeah. we'll believe you it's safe. And the thing okay. is, I guess from their point of view as well, they might just be like, as long as you've said it, that we don't care. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it could be a little bit of both. Where they're just like, we need to make sure that we've addressed it. And as long as you've said, do you think it's, it's a cool, blame we'll game as well? 
Oh, if something happened, yeah, yeah. the insurance company would say, well, the health and safety it guy said, be extreme. said he'd be extremely careful yeah. and he wasn't, so it's his fault, so blame him. And you've gone, mm, well, I mean, technically I did say that. But. Yeah. Or you do things with people like, oh, can we just film you saying that? And I'm like... Uh, <laughs> get it on camera that it must be real change, change yeah. things a little bit no? yeah. yeah you might be I think well, I don't know actually I was going to say more the, probably the most more travelled guy than Sonny we've had on the podcast but I don't know if that's strictly true in terms of other guests that we've had but I think you're probably definitely the most travelled person we've ever had on the podcast well I mean straight away you just went I've been to Morocco ten times it's quite a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you do because that's what our podcast is ba- was primarily based on. Not so much the guest stuff, but when we started the whole podcast, it was based on our love for traveling and and you know what I mean, like the the, the different experiences that you have. And we spoke about it before we started, and you said like you've got probably more of an experience of traveling that that's the same as me, where you'll travel to the country, but you won't necessarily experience mm. the place you'll see it from a film set or a racetrack or a location but you've done a shit ton of traveling like yeah. you you actually seen i remember you commented on somebody's facebook post you know when people sit on a plane and they take a picture <laughs> of where they sit he yeah. knew what the seat number was really just yeah. from the picture yeah. of like where it was placed on the plane That's what was around it and he was like is that something that and up, i was like um, yeah that was that was uh, Westby. She put it up as a reminder, uh, uh, like a Facebook. What's it called? Facebook reminder. For the memories. Yeah, yeah. She retweeted or whatever about. It was about a week ago, and I was like, oh yeah, seat twenty eight B. That's only from someone who does a shit ton of yeah, travel. Yeah, yeah, and really I, I said, ah, and I even knew the flight times, the number. So it's twenty eight B. I said, you chose if you had chosen twenty eight A, you can get the longer legroom without paying for the extra bit of the twenty eight pounds there. And that's why I like with air miles as well. I kind of love air miles. I've become fascinated. Not so much now, because obviously we're not going anywhere. But before, it was like just this mission to learn about air miles and how you can get a BA Amex card and sync it to this and work out this lounge with that. Yeah. And then that's how it's like you can then use the points to do things like... I've got a picture on my phone of me and my boy, first class, going to Miami, having afternoon tea in first class. And it's like, it hasn't cost me anything. And it's quick cause, just because of the air miles. Cool. Yeah, I yeah. really should have... Like, a few people when I was travelling said you should look into air miles. I never did, and I oh, definitely should have done It's another world. But you'll get yeah. really into it. And every time you'll fly, you make sure this gets added on. Yeah. You get, like, since you get BA Silver, then you're a proper ledge. Then you're like, <laughs> right, okay. check me out. Watch this. Come with me, everyone. <laughs> Come with me, everyone. But honestly, I just, Welcome I to my world. I want one flight in first class. That's it. That's all. That's my ambition. That's my ceiling. One flight in first class, and I'm happy. Yeah. First class or business class? Because they're different, aren't they? First class and business. Oh, class. business yeah. is better now, isn't it? Well, business is a business is good. First, the, but the thing is, the, if you're paying for it, or if you're using your air miles, you use a load more air miles to go to first. It's yeah. not that better. It's better. Do it once, just to say you've done it. But go for business. Right. Okay. That's then. that's the one. Or even um, once you get BA Silver, you can do other things like you can book your seat straight away. So obviously, since you get BA Silver, you can start working out, you know, knowing where the legroom seats are, for example, booking them at no extra cost <laughs> and just working out the little things. And when, I mean, when we flew from, uh, it was um, Grid, South Africa. Right. Um, I, I was on the same flight with Ken because I had to get to the States. There was me, Ken, and what's his manager called? Matt. Matt. What's his surname? Tosilio. That's it. Yeah. So we had to get, um, we did South Africa to um, at, um Amsterdam, Schiphol, Amsterdam to uh, Atlanta. And um, on the flight from, so we just wrapped, it was like really late. We'd only just got to the airport on time, slept for a little bit. 
and then I started going through the drinks menu. And the stewardess came up to me after and she said, are you doing the menu from the top? I was like, yeah, I'm going to do the whole menu. I'm going to do the drinks list from the top. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? Love yeah. Number three, please. Well, like, well, this is it. I only got sort of about halfway. Because by now it's like four in the morning. Right. And it's like, oh, God, I'm <laughs> I fell asleep. Um, then another time, I tried to do it in Australia once. So I got drunk in a business lounge, got on the flight, and I was flying back from Oz from a job with Eva Bentley. And I'm flying back. And I'm suddenly, I went to go to the toilet. And I was like, I can't fucking walk. <laughs> Absolutely wasted. I'm like, shit. So I had to get a coffee. And I thought, what if they throw me off? And I thought, well, I'm on a fucking plane. They can't. So this is great. <laughs> so, anyway, so I fell asleep, woke up sober with a hangover, had a load of juice, and then started drinking spirits again. And I got drunk twice on the same <laughs> flight. But here's the best bit. I looked on the map and I'm still over Australia. <laughs> so, so I got drunk twice on the same flight over the same country. That's impressive. And still had like 15 hours left in the yeah, air. Yeah. So that's when you do get the first class flight you're aiming for. That that's what you're going for. You to let us know I always know. find it hilarious when they don't let people on flights when they're drunk, but you can get smashed to fuck when you're on, on the there. plane. Yeah. So where's your logic? Yeah. But then we'll kick you off at the end. Well, yeah, I'm yeah. getting off anyway, so exactly. I'll just get off first. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's win-win. I, I've only had a couple of flights that have had complimentary drinks, um, and I always fully abuse the fuck out of it. As soon as I find out, I was like, is this, is this one free? Like, no, 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 everything's free. I'm like... You're going to need to come here a lot. <laughs> just just but you know look out for that number. There's yeah. a secret to that as well. So if you're in the middle and they come down the aisle, if you're on this end and say it's like you and your mates, say, oh, can I have a wine for this and then one for my mates there? And then the guy on the other end... Does the same. That says the same. So you get Through the, the other amount. side. Yeah. Oh. And they don't... Re- well, I think they do know the score. Well, they must do. But you end yeah. up getting double the amount and they don't twig. Yeah, but they're not going to say no, are they? You know what I mean? You can oh, get a drink, drinks, guys. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've been told no before. Right. Um, and I wasn't that drunk. Right. Um, and I've seen someone on a flight from um, Uzbekistan to the UK. Um, this lady got really drunk. And the way that they dealt with it was they gave her more wine. <laughs> to pass, so she passed out. This gets better. This oh, no. This oh, God. Go on. They give her more wine. I'm watching. This was like, it was a bit of a rubbish flight anyway. And Uzbekistan's different anyway. Um, I'm thinking they're giving her more drinks it's going to be ridiculous and it's sort of like a, a late like it's dark it's getting dark yeah. they turn the lights and she walks along the aisle wasted and she's saying things to people I'm thinking okay what's going on and she says this one thing to this one bloke and he's like they went in the toilets together really this, this gets better <laughs> so I'm going shagging in the toilets he's doing the mile high club with a stranger stewardess is there banging on the door blah 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 they come out now I thought everyone else would do it as well, so I cheered. <laughs> <laughs> now we've come Just from Uzbekistan. Yeah, no one else cheered, <laughs> and now I look worse. Everyone's looking at this man that's cheering, saying, "Well done, you." Well done, you for having sex. Yeah, but I thought it'd be funny, and no one else laughed. It was so embarrassing. So I'm now more embarrassed than the people that fucked. Oh, I mean, they got they had sex as well. So yeah, you got nothing apart from <laughs> awkwardness. We landed at he's a Gatwick or Heathrow. I can't which one, and. Um, he, and I was like, okay, I need to watch this. What happens now? Because this is like really orcs. He gets off and he legs it. Didn't even get his bags. He's gone. <laughs> she can hardly walk. She's walking along. And I meet, um, I can't remember what, I think it was like a taxi driver or something. He goes, how's your flight? I was like, it's fucking nuts. I said, these, tell him the story. This woman said she's proper drunk and she had makeup all over her face. And he goes, what, you mean her? And it looked like the Joker walking towards <laughs> us because her makeup was just like, and she could hardly walk. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the one. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, travelling stuff like that. Have you ever joined the Mile High Club? 
No. <laughs> no. 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 I spoke to someone about it. I was saying to someone about it the other day. And that was it. They got that plane at Dunsfold, didn't they? You know, they got the old jumbo jet at the Top Gear track. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you could set up a business calling it sort of like the 100 foot club, but where <laughs> you get to, you know, hire the plane out for a bit of fun and just say you've sort of joined yeah, it. Yeah, but you could just, yeah, but people are just, like we were on about in the last podcast, like doing it for the gram. If yeah. people could just take a picture do that in, 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 in an aeroplane toilet, mm. nobody has to know the difference. But no, they? in Russia, you can literally hire out a plane, which is all laid out, like business class and stuff like that, just to have photos in there. Oh, yeah. For, and yeah, people yeah. pay thousands for what? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Why don't you just get the flight? Well, there's cheaper ways of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it is. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know. I want to join the Marla High Club. <laughs> you want to? I want to, but I've, I think I'm six, I'm too six foot three for it. I struggle to piss standing up. Yeah. Like, because mm. the plane, it bends just down, doesn't it? So you bend, bend bend your your struggle to, do you have a, your first piss of the day is a sit down piss, isn't it? Always. Don't understand that. What? Because isn't that a, what's the term for it? Girly, girly piss. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a you just sit down and go. What is my life? What, why am I up this first time? Thing, first thing in the morning, as just well. Just sit there going, oh, just figuring out what's going on in the day. Don't, you don't want to have the effort of trying to stand up and shit and aiming and all that. Just you just, no, just want it as easy no as possible. You're already standing up. Yeah, but you could just sit down and then you just got to go. Just, then you got more time to think. You never had a sit down. I've never had a sit down right. piss. Now I'm fresh for never. the day. No. You must have treated yourself to a sit down <laughs> week. Oh. <laughs> must have. Rob? No. What? Is wrong with it takes up too much do. time. It's easy, isn't it? What's um the place that you've been? What's your favourite favourite country? Um, I think Argentina, um, just because of Patagonia. Like I, I love Patagonia. I love mountains and stuff like that. But it depends on what for. Um, city wise, probably Rio in Brazil was just incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the food, the music, the people. Um, I love Iceland. I lived in Iceland for a year, um, so I got to really experience Iceland properly. And then probably Cambodia. I think Cambodia into the best people in the world. So That's like six answers. I can't give one because there's no real one definitive answer because it depends what for. If it's for nature, then Iceland or Argentina. If it's for culture, then probably Brazil. If it's for people, then probably Cambodia. We, so, how about you? We did, um, I'll tell you the place in a minute, but a load of us went there, load of crew, Top Gear crew that have been all over the world and have seen all sorts of stuff. And this one place, Ethiopia, right, was okay. unbelievable. All of us, all these, you know, camera crew that have been all over the world. Yeah. And we were all like, wow, this place is unbelievable. It was the opposite to what we thought. Yes, it is a bit dodgy. Yes, there is yeah. civil war. And as further north, uh, northeast you go, you, you know, there's bad places and lots of bad things have happened. There's lots of guns everywhere and it's dodgy roads. It's, you know, there's lots of negatives to it. But the place is just unbelievable. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. It's, you can't put it into words the amazing and it's it's where humankind began originated yeah that's yeah that's so cool yeah. about and that's the what first so homo excited. sapiens are from there yeah. yeah yeah it's just it's just an unbelievable place and it's like the weird thing was my first night there i'm in a hotel with a steak I'm like this is nuts i'm in ethiopia you know you assimilate it with with um, and there is obviously a lot of yeah poverty and and obviously what's happened in the past and the civil wars with eritrea and all that stuff but it's it's just unbelievable yeah it's you can't put the amazingness that was I, I, I traveled uh, backpack around europe and then did southeast asia and then did canada to patagonia and my next plan was always to do from algeria all the way around the east coast down to south africa um 
and haven't done it yet. That's an interesting so, route. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's one of those. When I did uh, Central America, you're looking more for places where not to go than where to go because mm. of the the homicide rate and stuff like that. And I think Africa, especially like Sudan and stuff like that, there's definitely places where you're more researching where not to die mm. than where it's just pretty to check out. But yeah, not yet. I don't think I've ever been away and searched that where not to die. Yeah, I've only had I don't to... Think that's ever been high up on my agenda. I think when I went to Southeast Asia, there were definitely things I searched there for safety and health and stuff like that. But it was mm. more... Um, yeah, so, um, South Central America, especially like um, Honduras and El Salvador, have the highest murder rate in the world per capita. So when I was going there, especially in like Guatemala City as well, we talked about this on the podcast with um, Pritch. It's just never seen, like I said, guns and stuff like that. And it's it's weird because you just get so used to it so quickly, mm. but it's always a surprise. Like I remember I was walking through Guatemala City, and there's a cop walking into a bank with a gun like that, and I'm like, if he falls. Yeah. And it just goes <laughs> off. Put it in your fucking holster, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but yeah. So there's been some places that were sketchy, but I think it just it kind of it's a shame in one aspect because you see how people have to live, mm. and that's always kind of like when you realize how lucky you have it here and how easy things are here. It definitely kind of humbles you in that sense, but it kind of gives you more respect for people as well that do just live like that and especially when people talk about when i got to honduras i remember i got a taxi driver and my spanish wasn't that great at the time i was asking him about like how safe it was because everyone had told me these horror stories about honduras like don't go out at night if you go out after a certain time someone asks you a question if you don't if they don't like the answer where you're going you'll just get shot so i'm just like shitting myself and i got in a taxi and it's like the funny so he kept going on about girls with big tits in costa rica <laughs> that's all he kicks he asked like where i've been i was telling him and stuff like that you got his business card all he cared about was um mamacitas that's all he kept saying no because i hadn't i hadn't been to costa rica yet sorry i was going i'm trying to think geog- geographically either i'd been or i was on my way and i think it's guatemala then honduras then el salvador then costa rica so I said I was going there, and this was pretty much transit. I spent two days in Honduras and two days in El Salvador because of all the horror stories you hear. And he was just like, Costa Rica, mamacitas. And I was like, cool, okay. Um, and I asked him, like, is it as unsafe here as you like you hear about? And he's like, America's worse. I, like, I kind of believe that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've done, like, uh, what happened, like a threat assessment for filming in Kazakhstan or something like that. Yeah. And people are like, oh, it's Kazakhstan. It ends in the word Stan. You know, you've got insurance Must be bad. Yeah. Be and you've got, like, crew all terrified. And you look at it, and it's like this happening. And you're like, well, same happened in um, sort of East Birmingham, London. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of months ago. Yeah. It's kind of what's the you know what's the difference? But it's um, yeah, it, it's just interesting how you can go from all these different places, and the risks are still yeah. similar. I think the one, the biggest shock I've had from how dangerous it was was Alice Springs in Australia. Well, it's like central, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's where the what's it, what called. Um, oh, Ayers Rock, um, yeah, yeah, Luya, I think, the yeah, and called. Alice Springs is south of that, isn't it? Yeah, but it's like it's a uh, Alice Springs, you've heard of it, yeah, it's not as big as you think. And I went to go out the hotel because I'm like, I'm Australia, how cool is this? And the reception, she's like, Where are you going? I'm like, I'm Going for a walk, Alice Springs. She's like, I oh, know you, you don't go to the hotel, the Aborigines. I said, like, What do you mean? She's like, If you go out of here, because if you turn right, you get to the down, you might be right. She goes, You turn left, so that's where the Aborigines are. It's, it said, if you're a woman, you'll be raped. If you're a man, you'll be stabbed. And that's it. And it's like, I was like, this Alice Springs. It's, yeah. you know, I see it as this 
You'd expect that from somewhere like Ethiopia because you've heard yeah, yeah. them stories. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, and I remember when I got in the, the taxi at Alice Springs as well, driving on, I said to the driver, stop, stop, this guy is a dead guy on the floor. He's like, no, he's just pissed. And I was like, what? And there's Aborigines pissed yeah because they haven't had the development of alcohol have they yeah. so they drink and it really fucks them up yeah, but they're giving money as well aren't they yeah, for their yeah. Land. yeah they just get they go to casinos and they drink but as you say it's the they've only had something like less than 100 years i think yeah um the alcohol's been introduced to them so they genetically just haven't been able to produce the ability to cope with alcohol so i think native americans are the same thing as well uh but not to the extent because it was i think i'm part aborigine then you're not I think it's that's just the, the right way. I mean, it's just technically the same, <laughs> the thing, same no? thing. Yeah, but no, really, because that's what one thing that Europeans were doing when they were going over. As soon as I realised that was kind of like just feeding them with alcohol and then going mm. sign this, called that land's mine now. Yeah, there's a lot of bad, and I didn't, I, did, I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. I, I, I thought if I went to somewhere like um, Africa, you know, like Ethiopia, chatting to locals, and you know, I don't speak any foreign languages, but all the places I've been, you can kind of get a conversation. Yeah, going. and and it's great. But yet, um, Alice Springs, you don't you don't go and chat to the locals. Which right. would be the last? Yeah. Literally, like if you said to me he was going there or he was doing this, mm. Australia at any point, you would never think that that's ever even a thing in Australia because yeah. you think, oh, well, you hear all the good stories about everything and all that sort of stuff, and then like you say, we've been so ingrained into listening to Ethiopia comic relief and his mm. famine and there's all this sort of stuff and everything else, and you're like, oh, it must be really bad there. But then you've just said. Completely the opposite about two completely different places, perception-wise and, and all that sort of stuff. But there's such a big... Straight away then you said that, then I didn't know that that was the case about the Aborigines. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's quite a big thing in um, that side of the world in general, but Aborigines especially, because they were one of the last um, hugely colonised people. Um, everything kind of came to them later. And that's why... I do think a part of it, because I'm not sure with the experiences you had, if it was just they were just assholes or because i know in um some countries i went to belize and belize is a former colony country and they did not like tourists especially white tourists but mainly because of what the empire did to their country yeah yeah so a lot of it isn't just that they're shitty people who would do it to anyone it's just that that's the experience that they've got with people but this is now happening with cyprus so Cyprus is now going the same way. We've kept Cyprus as a British, and it is like the UK, southern Cyprus. It's, yeah. really, it's really weird. But you speak to the locals, and they're like, you only want it because you've got a base for the Middle East operations. Yeah. And you go past the air bases, the RAF, Arafat Kotiri, and all the Eurofighters are lined up facing towards Iran. And Cyprus, you can be in Limassol. I think it's Limassol on the far right. And it's like, or even Ayanapa, places like that. You're only, I think it's like 48 miles away from Syria. Mm, yeah. But Fuck really? Yeah, it's it's no distance at all, is yeah. it, to Syria? It's like, Shit. and it's like, and all you speak to the locals, and they're like, no, we kind of used to like the bases here, but now that the UK will let the American fighters come in here as well, and U two spy planes, which aren't there and have never been there, but there's someone looks just like a U two spy plane every day <laughs> goes up and down, and it's like you can understand why they're like, we are now these Middle Eastern countries around yeah. here that don't like us because we're letting you here. Yeah. It's a kind of, and I don't know a massive amount about Northern Ireland, but I'm assuming it's a similar long-term, it could be similar, where you're associated with something and then you're not going to hand it back. And Yeah, well, it's the same thing with the Maldives and like the Falklands. Um, when the Empire used that, um, it was purely mainly strategy. Mm. Um, and they still have that whole thing of like, when you, cause when I went to Patagonia and you go on that side of it, everyone told me again beforehand, like, 
be careful because I don't like the British there, Southern Argentina, because of the Falklands. Mm. Um, it was one of the few times being brown helps because people just don't assume I'm British um, based on appearance. So if they did ask where I was from and stuff like that, would just be like, I'm from India. Genetically, I am. Um, they're like, cool, okay. But you just signs everywhere and stuff like that for Maldivas because they're still trying to claim re ownership over it, I guess. Yeah. Because it's still classed as being. But there's loads of people like the Virgin Islands and stuff like that. There's places like remote areas that Denmark own. Yeah. Which is just like miles away from there, just from colonization like two, three hundred years ago. So and I think a lot of places have that resentment towards people. So, what, like the Aborigines, because of how badly they've been treated. Um, over generations mm. that now it's just like well fuck them for the come on our land yeah and that's what it is in Australia. Yeah. have you ever um, have you ever put an accent on to pretend you're a different <laughs> no I have have you yeah. where I've done Australian accents quite right, a few okay. times yeah was that in Australia <laughs> <laughs> no I've done I mean like Kazakhstan I'm really bad at accents that's that. the only reason why the, the irony is I can do a great Borat but yeah, that wouldn't go <laughs> that, down well. No, there. that's not. Yeah, yeah. No. But a few times they've been like, "Are you uh, an Aussie?" And I'm like, "Fair, fair dinkum, mate." Yeah. And it's just like, like generally, you're thinking, "Right, shit, who hasn't upset these people?" It's yeah. just easier. Like, Australians, yeah, they haven't upset people for a while. Was it Patagonia where it all went off with the Top Gear cars? Was that? That was Argentina. It was that trip. I think it was that trip. Yeah. Um, because he had the number plate, wasn't it? Was, it you, was, was yeah. you guys there on that? Or? No, we didn't do that. One. So that was more the riskier jobs and there was some um uh, i can't say their names but ex-military like special forces yeah. guys and, and and those guys said that what you saw on the show is real that, really? yeah, was that serious it was that um but, and they were they were bricking it as well i mean there's no way you'd want to fake that is there like no. the, top gear is not known for that kind of that yeah. kind of being that, that um, kind of show to, to make that not real yeah. do you know what I mean didn't Clarkson yeah. play ignorance to it he was I didn't realise or something like that which was it was something I can't remember the full story but someone did the number plate looked like it was Falk Falklands yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah but I think it was just a, a huge coincidence oh, it was just a coincidence did you think that the chances that you'd have that plate on a car in that and you, would you really risk that yeah and I think that it was filming I can't remember what in the episode when they realised I don't even know if they mentioned the plate in the episode but it was like it's just one of those things I just think is a wrong place, wrong time. For, yeah. for, for, if you could, look, we always play devil's, devil's advocate. For you to, as a show, to go to that much effort to find that car or to yeah. put that number plate yeah, on yeah. that car, to go to that country to provoke that kind of reaction, yeah. when it's not that kind of show, do you know what I mean? It's not like they're being... They're, I mean, they're, they're set out to be controversial to an extent with certain things and whatnot, but it's never... But it's generally a good humour. But it's usually schoolboy yeah. humour and it like dick jokes yeah. and that sort well, of stuff. Well, when they did the thing not... in um, South, um, Southern America when they had all the um, pro-gay stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. on the sides of the cars just to piss off the text. It's just, it's just schoolboy banter yeah, most yeah. of the time, isn't it? It's not like... like something uh, like that isn't... That's not the show. The no, show isn't yeah. going to want to go down. The producers switch on, really switched on. They're not going to want to do that it's not, it just doesn't look good does it it just doesn't no. look good at all so so you've done so you're so was you guys there when paddy crashed his top gear car the other week the uh, lambo which one was that Lambo? yes i wasn't on it but the, my, the guys that work for me are trucks on it yeah yes because that was all over the um i remember yeah, yeah i remember sending you the pictures and it was all like oh mss i know who they are guys <laughs> and they was all interviewing with the wall of death and all that sort of yeah, stuff yeah yeah and then i thought oh there we go that's pretty cool but i didn't know if he was actually there yeah or if any of your guys was there when he crashed the car that yeah i like to Go out on the top gear jobs when I can, because um, it's obviously been such a you know, a big part of what mm. I've been doing for all these years, and it's kind of that's was my first intro into it all. You know? I thought starting off on the biggest 
TV show in the world, I think it is now. I think it is, yeah. yeah. Who's your favourite trio? Or is there a, are they still I, a trio? I think the ones at the moment. I, I know watched I it the other night and I was like, this is really good. I know this I do. Really well. I haven't seen the recent ones. Is it, is it still Freddie Flintoff? Paddy and Chris Harris? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I watched well. yeah, really good. really good. Yeah, I love Freddie Flintoff. Like, I, so just much. Think, I just think we, you've got the right mix of people that will do the right stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You've got like Freddie that will pretty much do anything. You've got Paddy, who's just a funny guy, that is just a funny guy, and he, he drives a bit. And then if you want any serious cast, yeah, you've Chris got Chris Harris. Harris. So all the bases are covered, but then they chemistry together. Mm. But I, I think th- he's really good. It's got better, but the first time they all came together for the first show was that Top Gear hearse thing that they rolled in the end anyway. Do you remember the, the Undertaker, they called it, it was a blue hearse? No, I don't think so. Freddy crashed. Ironically, Freddie crashed it 100 metres away from where he crashed a rally car in League of Their Own five years before. Well, I remember that. <laughs> but um, that was the first episode. I remember watching the first first bit of filming with the three of them together, and there was a bit where he gets lifted out of the hearse and it comes down and bangs him on the head. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and that, that's not scripted. That just happens. And, they would, and I'm like, shit, this is, this is, this is the public are going to love this. And I'm obviously you know, not to do with the creative side of it at all. I'm just kind of a bystander and watching but I'm a fan of Top Gear yep. and I'm going this is really good this is this is going to work and then the show the other night on Sunday I was watching I was like this is just got it and I love now going online and seeing the comments and now if anyone comments it's not the same as it's like shot down yeah. it's been five years yeah. move on it's yeah. been that long <laughs> yeah, yeah and people no. are still saying it'll never be the same yeah. Yeah. Well, I had an argument with somebody not an argument but I'm like well it's not the same as anything. I'm like, James May wasn't even on the first series. It was actually on my Facebook comment. It probably <laughs> yeah, was, it yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and when, when he first turned up, everyone's like, who the fuck's this yeah. boring bastard? Like, what is this guy doing? And he's like, oh, James May. And now, because you're used to him being boring and being mm. that guy, and they've made this character out of him. That's I mean, what it is. It's a juxtaposition against his them. His nickname is Captain Slow on a yeah. car show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But that's the joke. And everyone goes, oh, it's really fucking funny. Mm. But if he came on as that guy, and that was his persona from the beginning. Everyone would be like, what the fuck's this shit? Like, yeah. who's this guy? We don't want anyone slow. We want fast cars and explosions. Mm. But it's just what people get used to. But is Top Gear a car show or an entertainment show? Now, it's an entertainment show, I think. I think it with with cars while. as its basis. Yeah. I think. That's the MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. That's the MacGuffin. No, the word. Yeah. Do you know what that word is? No, I didn't either until. It's um, the catalyst that helps. Um, push the narrative so Jaws is the biggest example and Jaws the sharks the MacGuffin it's not a film about a shark it's a film about how everyone deals with that okay so is this are, a real word yeah yeah yeah, oh, it's, oh, my, yeah that was yeah. my exact if story. I drop this in conversation yeah yeah, yeah. Gonna... no honestly it <laughs> is a real thing He uh, Rob searched for it at the time it's true uh, but it is a real thing yeah so in Jaws for example Jaws is the best example because mm-hmm. it is a shark but all the shark is is a, a means to tell the narrative of the story mm-hmm. it's not about the shark Otherwise, it'd be a boring way. film. Just yeah. following yeah, a shark yeah. around the In the same thing. way with Top Gear, it's like the cars now are the thing that tell the story. It's not yeah. so much about the cars. Which was proven with Grand Tour when they'd done the boat one. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah. It, I like that one. I like that one. Because it was all the cultures and learning about stuff and the yeah. weeds and the floods. And, and I kind of, I think that's why, I think that's why I like the travelling. Not just because the business class and getting drunk in air miles, but because <laughs> just the, the seeing different yeah. stuff and then coming home. I've, I've, you know, I've come home before and someone's come, where have you just come from? In fact, no, I've got, I've got to airport security and they've gone, look at your passport. I said, where have you just come from? I've gone, oh, um, I don't know. I've done that before. And he's like, you must know. I said, can I just check my thing? Nope. I'm like, um, Prague. No flights from Prague. Um, 
don't know. I, I generally got it straight away. I have to think about it. I literally haven't been to the point where I'm like, did you figure it out in the end? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, you're here, so I'm guessing they let you in at some point. <laughs> but the worst bit is as well, you go back and try and find your car in the car park, but you could have been in that car park five times that month. Yeah. And you're like, ah, where did I leave my car? Did I leave it? Yeah, no, that was last week I left it here. But the worst time, it was dark, it was raining, couldn't find the car, got the security to take me around, and I remembered I was at Gatwick, and I'd left my car at Heathrow. And then I remembered, but I couldn't tell security this, because they're gonna, they've been driving me around for an hour, so I said, I'll, I'll go back to the terminal and find out. And I had to go back oh, and get a, coach, get a coach to another place. Now, the only reason why I knew is because I went on my phone and looked on maps. You know, you can... Oh, so you were part here. And I was like, oh, no, that picture I took of that was at the other airport. Completely. <laughs> I had to get a coach all the way around. <laughs> but just to save face with the security, you didn't yeah. tell anyone. I was like, oh, don't worry, guys, I appreciate your help. I'm I'll there, find uh, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. It must it. have been stolen or yeah. something. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I'll get some food at the airport. <laughs> do you have, like, when you, um, like, especially after you've been travelling for a while, when you do you wake up not knowing where you are a lot? In hotels, yeah. In hotels all the time. How long does it take you before, when you're back to kind of like realise, oh, okay, I'm at home? But it won't, I'll go back off again. Before COVID, I once did two jobs in Australia in the same week. Went to Australia, came back, went and did Speedway Poland um, and got a call in Poland. Oh, you know that job you said you'd do in Australia and to give us a good price because you've never been to Australia. I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, it's on and you go tomorrow. And I'm like, well, I've, I've been now, so that did, I was saying, <laughs> about a good price, doesn't it? The price really? has gone up. Yeah. 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 And they're like, so I was like, great. So I've now got to go from Poland back to the UK to get another flight, to go back to Australia. It's a day and a half flight as well, isn't it? It's, well, and the production company obviously ticked price lowest first because it went, it went Heathrow, um, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, Melbourne, Melbourne, Adelaide, Adelaide, somewhere else, somewhere else there. Fuck. And it was like, <laughs> it was so bad, I had to take two MacBooks with me with films charged up we'd like to work out what yeah. film I'd watch at what time yeah, the, the longest I had was Brazil to uh, well Rio to Atlanta to Detroit to London that was my longest um, and that was on the back of six months travelling coming home nice and again cheapest first please 100% <laughs> I want to go home was, I, booked it, I booked it when I was in Uruguay so I booked it about uh, two weeks before I came home um, and then when I booked it I got to Rio and met a guy who was going back to Oslo the same day and his changeover was in London. How the fuck have you managed to find a flight <laughs> that's going to London? Why can't I just get on that plane? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I've had it work out great once where I was in um, South, I was in Durban, South Africa, and my next job was in Dubai in five days' time. Yeah. So I had to get, obviously, from Durban back home and go back to Dubai. And then I got my flight details, and it was going back via Dubai. So I said to a production company, you don't need to fly me out there. Don't worry about it. All you've got to do is just give me a hotel two days before and I'll get there myself. Yeah. So I did it, flew across, got to Dubai and then got a travel day from the production company. They paid for my hotels. And I even checked into the flight to get my air miles. See, but then, you just and didn't then, turn And up. then unchecked out the flight as well. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I don't know if you actually get the air miles if that happens. I've done that a few times, checked in and not actually flown because I've gone on to somewhere else different and stuff. Like I've that. always said, going back to um, fraudulent things that you shouldn't do, if you ever break your phone, it is cheaper to book a cheap flight to anywhere in Europe. So book a £12 flight to Romania, get travel insurance and claim your phone back on travel insurance. And it is to pay to get your like screen fixed. Regardless of whether you get on the plane or if not. It's stolen, yeah, yeah. As long as you um, check in so you can show, because you have to send as much information as you can. I haven't done this. I know this just from having to have yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, did, I lost my phone when I went to uh, Romania. No, to, I was in Milan when I was traveling for Europe. Uh, someone stole my phone out of pocket. Um, no, Florence, sorry. And yes, yeah, so I had to 
send off to get a new one when I lived in Iceland. My screen broke and I had travel insurance there, so I claimed it back. But I just realised how easy it is mm. just to get around it. So, yeah, get travel insurance. Get a cheap flight and book the cheap travel insurance. Top tip. Top tip. Top there, tip. There's another thing at the moment where, because I want to, because I'm not flying anywhere, I'm just all UK jobs. Middle of next year, I'm going to lose all my air mile status and all of that. Oh, okay. But at the moment, flights are so cheap, it's tempting to get, um, I think you can get like business class to Australia and back, right? So you just spend three days just drinking pretty much. Right? <laughs> just fly there. Just, just fly, fly there. back again. Fly, fly there, back. Fly back and the air miles that you'll get and the points, you'll go up to BA Gold for next, for 2022, if you see what I mean. But you've then got to probably sit at home for two weeks, isolation not allowed out. But it's like, I just watch, I just watch movies. No one can get hold of me. I can have gin and tonic. Well, if you're in business, that's as well. Yeah, and I, and I can jump to BA Gold. It's like the price. It's effectively a holiday, but sat down for it all. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like an all inclusive, but you don't get using your air miles. You've got now to do it as well, so it's not costing you anything. I didn't think of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I think that would work, definitely go in now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you use your air miles that you've got now, yeah. I tell you, what I've had on a flight as well. I forgot this when we did. Um, Speedway Grand Prix, the final in is always in. I think it's in Melbourne. I think it is. We were all at the back of the plane on the A three eighty, the double deck one. And at the back, it's quite a big area. And we all sat. We had some music playing. We were chatting away, and you know, all the guys from Monster were there. Ty Wuffenden, Speedway World Champion, all chatting away, having a drink. And the plane hit some turbulence. And I forgot we were on a plane. <laughs> I thought we were socialising, and I'm like, whoa, shit. And I was like, oh, on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that with Billy as well. Me and Billy have had that before. We've been chatting away at the back of a plane and forgot we were on a plane. Just thought we were just socialising and chatting to people and in a bar or something like that. It's been epic. <laughs> yeah. I told you it was a good... I told you it was travelled. Yeah, yeah. Is it what? I told you it was travelled. He's a travelled man. Travelled man. you can forget that you're on a plane because you're on a plane so often. you travel that often. He's fucking or mental. Or forget what car park you've parked your car at, what airport. What airport, or where what you've airport. even came back from. Or where you've come back from. I've never yeah. got off a plane and gone, where have I just been? No, I have, I have done that. But that was, I think, on the back... I had to fly from Panama to Mexico, no, to Colombia. Because of Darien Gap, you can't travel it by land. Um, so, and I travel Basically, when I've travelled from Canada to Patagonia, I took two flights. So... Um, LA to Mexico City and Panama City to uh, Bogota, my only two flights. And I genuinely forgot because I've been to that many countries at that point, which country I'd come from. So they were like, where have you just flown from? And I was like, I can't remember. And they were like, what do you mean you can't remember? I was like, I think it was Panama. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm Panama. And they were like, yeah, it was Panama. I'm like, cool. Yes. I won. <laughs> you should <laughs> do um, uh, that Mongol Valley. Yeah, no, I do. I've looked into that and it's... So good. Yeah. I, that's my... My my aim is I've got two boys and they've both got private number plates. I've bought them, so yeah. you, you know you get, when you have kids, you get this two hundred and fifty quid government grant for your kids or something. So I, I don't have kids, so I have no idea. I bought them both these private number plates that's got their names on it. I'm sure that's what they intended it for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, when they're older, they can flog them if they want because they can yeah. go up in value. But the deal has always been they when they're old enough to drive, they get a license, but they've got to drive to Mongolia to get their number plates. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and they've got to build the car themselves because it's a it's one liter cars, isn't it? Um, yeah. But we used to always do the launch event at Goodwood, and that is just because that the biggest part of that isn't the driving; it's working out the visas and the what country at what time and how long, and then racing to the border because you've got to check out of this yeah. country. And there was there's a travel agency that do that will work with the Mongol Rally teams to work out which routes they want to go. And there was one of them went the Iran route, but they went in a car that was turned into a pink unicorn through Iran. 
Amazing. Two around as well. Amazing. Yeah. And it's like, but the visa is like, then they, they were early, so they couldn't check into the next country yet or check that visa out. So they had to like hide for three days or something <laughs> in, in Iran, a pink unicorn. In a car dressed as a pink unicorn with like rainbows all over it and stuff. And it's some of the stories about that Mongol rally are yeah. unbelievable. I, mean, I want to get to Mongolia because Mongolia is meant to be one of the, again, the most beautiful countries in the world. It's like so unexperienced, I guess, from a yeah. lot of people. Because I remember the first time I really. Um, saw an individual of it was Long Way Around, mm. the Ewan McGregor thing with Charlie Borman where they went from, where was it, London to New York. Um, and they go through Mongolia. Yeah. And at the end of it, they said that was their favourite part of the whole thing. Yeah. And there's a guy who comes down with his house holding a guitar and an AK-47 and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And it's just... I've yeah. done that route before. Oh, really? I've done... So Did you do Road of Bones? Um, Road of Bones, that's death. That's... Um, it's like Siberia, so going into Alaska side. No, uh, Jim, who works with me, he did. He's done that before, right? Okay. Um, but we did when the millionth Land Rover Discovery came out. Land Rover did this big thing about um, taking it to the Beijing Motor Show. Yeah. And it was instead of having it on the stand as a millionth Discovery, looking all shiny, it was battered and covered in mud. And they like, drove it. Like there. we drove it there. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I flew into. I met the guys in Moscow. Went from Moscow. Down and one of the roads you come down from Moscow, it's actually called the M6, is what I want to think. So you come down the M6, and there's not a turn for 318 miles, so it's just straight, and there's no other cars. And then you get to the turn, you're like, The turn's coming up, the turn's coming up, and you're all excited, and it's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's it. the most exciting part of the day. But it's, um, but that route is mega, and you go all the way down, you do, um, uh, from uh, Russia all the way down into Kazakhstan first, then Uzbekistan. And then Kyrgyzstan, then you have to go back into Uzbekistan. Because yeah. Uzbekistan is something like the third biggest country yeah, in the world. Yeah, it's huge, yeah. And it's like, people don't know how... Yeah. And it's... I've, I've done... I've been there six times, Uzbekistan... Uh, Kazakhstan. And every time I go there, I don't get bored. Driving straight roads yeah. for hours. But it's not boring for some reason, because it's just so vast and massive. Yeah. And there's a canyon there called the... Um, Sharon Canyon or Shansen Canyon or something... It's bigger than the Grand Canyon. Oh, no really? One, no one knows about it. And it's just unbelievable. And it's in Kazakhstan. Yeah. It's, um, that area is really cool. Yeah, my brother went to Azerbaijan and a few countries uh, bordering, and he said, like, it's incredible out there because mm. uh, he's travelled more than I have. Um, and it's definitely been one of those things where, like, if, idealistically, there's two things I could do. It would be drive Road of Bones from here, so drive to that end, mm. um, and do Alaska to, uh, to Ushuaia and Patagonia. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, kind yeah. of like because I wanted to do that initially on motorbike, but I don't drive a motorbike for a start or ride a motorbike. Um, There's a problem there. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's the first hiccup, and the second was just financially. It was just, it became so much more expensive trying to do it in your own vehicle mm. rather than just using public transport and stuff. And I was like, I didn't want to wait to the point where I hadn't done it. Um, so I was like, even if I do it and then uh, later date I'm able to do it, yeah, that would be awesome. But yeah, I'd love to go from the top of Alaska down to the bottom of Argentina. Any road trips are cool, aren't they? There's a video on um, iTunes called, um, it's a documentary called Somewhere Else Tomorrow, and that's a bloke who can't ride a motorbike. Oh, right. Okay. wants to do around the world. Yeah. And just starts blogging about it first, gets a bit of sponsorship, gets, goes and gets his bike license, drives and he starts blogging along the route. This German girl starts messaging him. She's like, we really like what you're doing. She flies out. She can't ride a motorbike either. She meets him in the middle of Russia or somewhere, and they carry on going through, like, Cambodia and stuff. Yeah. And obviously they fall in love, and it's just a... It's on iTunes. It's just a really nice story, and there's yeah. no production behind it. It's just him in a hotel room, sort With of camera. Wi-Fi making, you know, uploading What's it. What's it called? Uh, somewhere else tomorrow. Right, I'm I'm sure that's what it's out. called. Yeah. It's just, it's lovely. It's just, uh, there's no BS with it. It's just a nice, 
not trying to push something. He's not trying to advertise. It's just yeah. him on this journey, and he's like got a well-paid job. He's, I think he's French or something. And but the great thing is he can't even ride a motorbike. And it's just, yeah, it's, I have. I've ridden. Really cool. I rode a motorbike in India when I was eleven, um, because my family's from India, and I went when I was eleven years old for three, four weeks, I think, uh, with that, like my cousin. And we had to go from one place to another place, and they only had motorbikes, and they were like, "We haven't got room for you, so you're gonna have to ride it." And I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> so they showed me like on this farm, for, like half an hour before. I'm like, "I think I got it." Off you go. So no helmets, no nothing. I mean, it wasn't a fast bike. It was like you know what I mean. Um, but still, it's in India. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. sketchy yeah. on its own. Which was, yeah, there, there, were, there weren't roads. No, like, it was northern. There was like Punjabs. So it's all just farmland and shit like that around there. And we were just going from one building to see family somewhere else and it was fucking incredible and then in vietnam i did as well um but that one wasn't as it was a lot more powerful bike and <laughs> i got a scooter instead of it you didn't die, didn't so we're die. Still here. yeah andy mm. we're coming towards the end are we yeah no oh. so i need two things <laughs> one of them is an embarrassing travel story where, where do we start with that one well and okay. the second one is... Well, we'll get to the second we'll one. We'll tell you one afterwards. Yeah. Oh, so, no. embarrassing travel story first, because we do like embarrassing travel stories, because we have a lot. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get to the most important question of the podcast. Okay. I, I know what the most important person... Of the, yeah. Um, embarrassing travel story. Travel um, story. God, where do we start? Where do we start? Um, we're going to be around... Messing myself in it. Yeah. There's one that Jake really wants to hear, basically. I think if there's ever a story that involves messing yourself, then that's pretty embarrassing. The thing is, I can share this story because so many people know about it because it kind of happened in front of a lot of people. (laughs) 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 We were getting around. But the thing is, when you're in Morocco, it happens to everyone. I'm pretty sure the main reason he got you on the podcast was so you could tell the story. Please tell the story. (laughs) I I mean, I was trying to avoid it being obvious, but you kind of, yeah. I wasn't well. In Morocco, as a lot of people aren't well in Morocco. When we were out there on one job, the all the American guys only ate food that came in packets the entire time. Right. And none of them shit themselves, which proves that they were in the right. Um, but I had the seafood pizza <laughs> one night. <laughs> I don't eat seafood in the UK, in the in public places. <laughs> nah. And if was, you haven't shit yourself when you're travelling, you haven't travelled. <sighs> mm. so had a seafood how, pizza. How many times have you done it? Uh, travelling mm. twice. Is that all? Yeah. The worst was, uh, well, I will let you tell your story, but quickly, I was in Koh in Thailand and went up a mountain um, with the shits, but not once. The whole way, I shit myself about an hour before I left, mm-hmm. got on this bike, and I was like, I'm fucking going, it's my last day here. So went up, me and two of the mates went up, did a jungle hike, got all the way back, and then shit myself alert again, <laughs> but not... No, but no, but you're saying went to the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On these ones, I did, uh, but there was times where I didn't quite make it when travelling. I think there's only done. enough room for for minimal poo stories. <laughs> Tell your poo stories. Just to get out of you telling yours. yours yeah, yeah. Well, go on. <laughs> no, um, Rock, I wasn't well. For, I wasn't well for a good couple of weeks. Actually, it was going pretty bad, and we're driving. We had a road locked off. Um, this was Mission Impossible, actually. When we were out there for those seven weeks. We had a big sort of 10 kilometer road motorbike scene going on the road, um, big car chase and all that. And I'm like, this is a weird feeling. (laughs) Stop the truck, stop the truck. I need to get out now. They're like, you're right, now, quick. I literally jumped out of the truck and there was no one on this motorway. It's a totally empty motorway. Um, And I literally climbed over the motorway barrier and, you know, just had um, messed me. Yeah. I had a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're just literally everywhere. Yeah. 
And I'm like, and the vehicle, the, the two guys I was working the vehicle, the vehicle was shaking because they were laughing so much. <laughs> and John, the guy who was driving, was bouncing up and down in his seat so much because his laughter, he was like crying. <laughs> and, that, and I was like, this really isn't helpful, guys. I'm really not well. And then, coming on the other way, so one of the production minibuses is coming along um, with this girl called Emily, who I know. And Emily's like the coolest chick ever. She's so cool that her boyfriend is Taron Egerton, of all people. Um, Emily's like, Top, another big really, movie star. Yeah, 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 really, really cool chick. And Emily's like, Emily pulls up an mini minibus. I'm like, oh God, and I'm <laughs> behind a motorway barrier, holding on. She's like, you all right, Andy? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine, Emily. Yeah. She, what, what are you doing? I went, nothing. She's like, why are your trousers down? <laughs> I'm like, Emily, this really isn't. <laughs> isn't a, Don't make me say it. Really, isn't a good time for me right now. Um, <laughs> then she's like, um, what, what, what are you doing? I said, well, I, I'm, it's pretty obvious. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not well. And then, uh, it, and I was like, just don't say anything to anyone, please, because obviously people know about it already. She's like, and then on the radio, I've got an earpiece. Everyone, mile marker six, Andy, he's just himself. So everyone knows about it. And it's just like, just really bad. But it's just Morocco. It, it happens. You go out there for more than a certain amount of time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get you. And, <laughs> and, you, and you don't know when it's going to get you. And that's why um, EBR, the emergency bog roll, in your bag, always carry a little bag. Emergency bog roll, wipes, and uh, spare pair of boxes because just in case you learn from mistakes. And I've I got taught that by a construction manager on films. He he showed me his EBR kit, and I was like, oh yeah, good point. So he handed that bit of wisdom on to me, okay. and I now pass that wisdom on to others. That if you're going to Morocco, carry your emergency bog roll. Mine, mine Tell the end pizza. of the story. Mine was from pizza as well. So maybe it's just don't eat yeah, pizza yeah. abroad. Tell the best part. Oh, of the sorry, story. yeah, there was more to the story. Oh, that story. Oh, um, so it, there was it, it went across the road, and the goat came along and had some, and it was the same road that Cruz was on later on. But I was terrified because what if Cruz goes through it? So we had to get the fire extinguisher and blast it off the road <laughs> and stuff like that to clean the road, and I'm scrubbing it with a. So imagine that's happening now. You're sweating away in 50 degrees heat. You've got a broom scrubbing, scrubbing the road for your own trip because you've got <laughs> mega star. I want to be famous enough one day. It's not. No, you know what? I changed my thing. It's no longer I want to sit in first class and that's my ceiling. Right. My ceiling is now I want to be able to drive somewhere and have people clean up shit off the road. So I don't <laughs> drive through it. Just so I don't drive through it. Yeah. Not even walk through it. At least you clean your own shit it. up though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's respectful. Jake, that how do you tell that story just quickly? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. He knows. Go talk to him before. And it's like, oh, no. He always tells that story of you shit yourself in front of Tom Cruise. <laughs> I mean, technically, technically that's right. Almost. That's how it's yeah. going out on the podcast. You know, you edit that, Rob, yeah? Yeah. Andy shit himself in front of Tom Cruise. In front of Tom Cruise. And the goat ate it. And then Tom Cruise Done. made him clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> in front of him. In front of him. Clean <laughs> But on that job, it's happened to everyone. All the time. When the guys, I know, it's walking along, it's like, you're right, yeah, just messing yourself. All right, you carry on like normal <laughs> life. Because you're in Morocco for that sort of time. Yeah. It just takes you out. <coughs> it's, um, oh. it's not ideal. Next question. And the most important part of the podcast. Mm. And I'll, I'll say it again. Think very carefully before you answer this question. Don't just dive into an answer. Don't go with the crowd. Don't be a sheep, Andy. Follow your own instincts. Just ask right? the question. Follow your own instincts. Think mm -hmm. it through. You're a very well-traveled, experienced, life man. <laughs> right? Who would win in a fight, a bear or a gorilla? Don't think about it. Think. Don't think about it, but think about it. Think about it. Who would win in a fight between a bear and a gorilla? You know, this comes up a lot. Because it's a very important question. 
we did a spin on this in Florida. Oh, okay. We did um, what is toughest, an alligator, a shark, or a tiger, and it's 50 centimetres deep of water, so everyone's a bit buggered. Do you know what I mean? Sort of like, so the... I'll go get you. Answer the question. Oh, sorry. Um, that one... Bear. Yes! Oh, grizzly. Oh. Gri- grizzly bear. Yeah, any yeah. bear. Yeah. Well, not any bear. Brown bear. Grizzlies. Red panda. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. one. That's that's your first one. Five two to me, to you. That's your first one. Bear. All day yeah, long, yeah. a bear. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see one. Never seen one. Bears are right. I've seen one in a bin. What? A bear. Oh, a bear in a bin. Right, oh, yeah. feeding itself out just, of the well, bin. Well, I've seen its arse. Not just someone put the bear in the bin. No, no. It was eating out of the bin, and then we turned the headlights onto it, and it went... I wasn't in the bin and ran off. <laughs> How big were we talking? Well, I mean, it was in a bin. It was wasn't like, like a, a big fuck up. A grand bin. bin or a little office bin? No, no it was like um, like a, a trash can in the States. Could you so have it was... won a fight against it? I mean, it was say, imagine if like you had a toddler bear. I would imagine mm. it was like a toddler sized bear. Okay, who I would... reckon it'd still beat the shit out of me, a toddler sized bear. Who would win between like a monkey then and a baby bear? Ooh, I'd say the bear be, still. No, monkey every fucking time. Monkeys are tough as fuck, man. Yeah. Bear's just thick. So are gorillas. Yeah, I, I had a monkey nick my jacket once. I called, <laughs> I called it a prick. <laughs> I chased a monkey, it. The monkey the stole my sunglasses in the pool. Mm. <laughs> what? I don't have back. a monkey story. <laughs> There's a monkey walking around the pool right now. <laughs> it's looking cool as fuck. The baddest shades yeah, on yeah. ever. Wearing Andy's coat. It's a Carrymore jacket. It cost me a lot. It was in my bag, and I was saying, "Look at the monkeys looking in my bag." And the locals are like, "Dude, just gonna run off in a minute." I was like, "I'll get a picture of it." And they pull me jacket and leg it in the woods. I'm like, "You fucking prick!" I'm sure this is <laughs> in the woods. Like, no, it was a baboon, which apparently is worse. Yeah, you see how angry he still is baboon. about yeah. this, this baboon. And they're like, "Don't chase it because its mates are there." His mates <laughs> and uh, baboons With a are bat. like, and yeah, but yeah. it's Carrymore, bro. Carrymore. <laughs> Did you see that video earlier this year of the monkey that rode a motorbike and then tried to steal a baby? I did see mm. that video. It was amazing. It's terrifying. Have you seen the one the monkey that falls on the man and then a yeah. dog wearing shoes comes along? <laughs> yeah. That's even better. Because the guy falls over and the whole thing was imagine like he was meant to go somewhere and then he was late. So why are you late? When it can't get better, told you. a dog wearing shoes turns up with the thing around his neck so he can't <laughs> lick his wind. Like, you've just designed the ultimate yeah, yeah. Yeah, I literally <laughs> could not write it you can't I don't know how <laughs> you can there's nothing you can add to that maybe a a, 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 a penguin riding past there's, there's penguin on skis mm. oh, you ever seen the baby monkey riding backwards on a pig that's have I <laughs> I know have the song I? <laughs> have you level. seen uh, chimpanzee riding on a segway uh, well, it's got the song over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's that's what I said it like the song. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's some amazing stuff. That's what the internet was made. They for. made an app game of baby monkey riding backwards on a pig. Let's stop the podcast now because I'm about to have some sort of stroke. <laughs> you think, you're I think about my, to have my face genuinely hurts. <laughs> I think I might have my own shit myself. Is Tom Cruise coming? Do you have to clean it up afterwards? <laughs> we need to end the podcast. I'm sorry, but. I've really enjoyed this. And I have. It's been really fun. Thanks Thank you, Andy. Me. I appreciate it. I feel like you have to come I, back and I tell hope, more stories. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm pretty sure once the C word Jeff's off, then you're going to have a load more news stories. So let's get you back on. And we'll come. You can get your people to get us on location and we'll come and interview you there. Yeah, get your people to speak to our people. <laughs> Rob's our people. <laughs> <laughs> Just get his number. Yeah, I appreciate it. So there's all sorts of, you know, 
yeah. you had all sorts of cool people on him and stuff, and obviously the person before as well. Yeah, it was pretty no, cool. It's, it's, uh, cool. it's, it's cool. an honour. It's cool. Everybody's cool in their own way. Uh, it was really good. We enjoyed it. Thank you, Thank you very much. Uh, that is the end, and we will see you next time. Thank you very much. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.